At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, boys and girls? Welcome back to the HVAC Know It All podcast. We have another fabulous podcast for you guys today. We have a fantastic guest. His name is Brian Zimmerly. He's from a company called Dandelion Energy out of New York that specializes in uh, manufacturing and installing geothermal heat pumps. I don't do any geothermal stuff, so this was a great podcast for me to uh, to get into and interview Brian because I learned a lot of stuff from Brian and he's very knowledgeable about his product and, and how the operation runs the everything from the beginning from installation to setting up their own um, control system within the the machines um, and the install process it was a great great interview so you guys listen up to Brian uh, but before I get into that I wanted to bring up something on HVAC related and I put out a video on Instagram and Facebook uh, the other day and it's regarding health okay I see online there's so many of us worried about the health of an air conditioning system or an HVAC system or a heating system but I don't see enough of us concentrating on the health of ourselves all right so I have some family history um, regarding colon cancer so I went and got a colonoscopy. I'm 40 years old, okay? I turned 40 not too long ago, and it was suggested that I start going for these screenings at 40. So I went for one, and everything came back clear. Everything was normal. So now I can move forward knowing that I'm a healthy guy. So I encourage you guys, as you get older, there's certain things that you got to do. You got to swallow the pride, and you have to keep up with your health. Because if you don't keep up with your health, you can't continue working in this field to provide for your family and yourself. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Okay, on today's True Tech Tools Minute, we got to discuss the Testo 310 Tune and Checkup Kit because it looks like a pretty cool kit uh, for the residential techs out there to tune up your furnaces um, and whatnot. It's it's a Testo 310 combustion analyzer. It's a Testo 510 dual port manometer and a couple of UEI temp probes. And it also comes with the, the hoses and all the little fittings uh, to check airflow and to check gas pressure. So that is on sale. It was over a thousand bucks. It's on sale for about uh, $942. Um, pretty good deal on that kit. And you can do your checkups and your tune-ups on furnaces to make sure they're running uh, safely and efficiently. So hands down, it doesn't get spoken about enough is the best digital gauge on the market for the price is the Testo digital gauges. Most techs that buy digital gauges are rocking the Testos. I got the 557s. Some guys have the 550s. 
whatever your preference and whatever your your budget. But they're well worth the money. And in my mind, it's a lot more efficient to grab the clamp probes, hook them up, hook up your, your hoses, and everything's on that one screen. All the calculations are there for you. Um, you can screenshot it, take a picture, screenshot it, or you can connect to the app um, and send out reports. I find it very efficient. It's the new way of doing things, digital. And guys, in like 20 years, you might not see a compound gauge set around. Just my opinion. You might not see it around. You don't see uh, many analog voltage meters around anymore, do you? Well, digital meters set the trend way back when, and now everybody carries a digital meter. It's, it's going to be the same trend with digital gauges. Best bang for your buck, the Testo digital gauges. Trust me. Um, when it comes to hub pullers, I had mine out the other day, and I posted a little video on social media. The Yellow Jacket hub puller. It's a little bit different from my last hub puller. My last one had a very fine thread on the bolt. Now, when I was pulling off a tough fan blade, that thread, those threads stripped on me, and I couldn't get that blade off. Okay, but the YJ hub puller, the thread on the bolt is a lot more coarse, and it helps to grab a lot better, and it's also got four bolts to grab the hub at the bottom instead of three. Okay, one thing I'm going to be... Um, I'm going to tell you to be cautious of is when you're tightening down, be careful that you don't tighten down to the fan hub where the set screw enters because you can damage that opening. And then you got to go back to the supplier and get a fan blade and hopefully what is available for you. Or if you have a tap and die set, you're going to have to repair it yourself on site. Okay. So just be very careful of that. Um, Refrigeration Technologies has a very good evaporator cleaner on the market. It's called Viper Evap Plus. It contains enzymes to break down bacteria and mildew. Okay, and it's active for 72 hours on the coil. So as the condensation is running down that coil, for 72 hours after the fact, after you apply it, it's staying active. So it's actually cleaning for 72 hours after the application. That is pretty cool, guys. Um, so check that out. Viper Evap Plus. Cooler Products has a product that I got to try in the summer and I'm going to be trying it, testing it and experimenting with it. It's called Smart Shot. What it does is it breaks down oil deposits in the condenser and the evaporator that builds up a resistance to heat transfer to make the machine more efficient. It also gets into the compressor and kind of loosens up its moving parts, breaking down the sludge that's built up on those parts as well. Okay, if you have a system that seems like it's on its last legs, it's kind of struggling along, not very efficient. Maybe try it out on that system. See how it performs. And give me some feedback, please, because I love to hear feedback on these products. But something I'm going to be experimenting with in the near future, and if you guys do, please let me know how it works out for you. Um, so when it comes to apps, paperless billing, okay, the app Simply Send is free, invoicing, and estimating. Field Pulse. It's made by Field Pulse, guys. You want to use Field Pulse? 14 day free trial. Upgrade from Simply Send to Field Pulse at any time. Use your 14 day free trial. Go to fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC know it all. And you guys know that their memes are incredible on social media. So give them a follow on Instagram. Give them a follow on Facebook. And you guys are going to laugh because they connect. They connect with the trades very, very well through their memes. 
and you can tell they really understand what we go through out in the field. So follow them on Instagram and Facebook, guys. You won't be sorry. Hey, Brian. How's it going today, man? Good, Gary. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. I'm uh, into the podcast swing of things here, and uh, I'm kind of excited to get going on this one because we haven't done anything on any type of geothermal uh, topics. So this will be a good one for me because I don't really come across any geothermal stuff in my day-to-day um, shenanigans out in the field. And and there's going to be a lot of questions, and I think this this is going to be a lot of a big popular podcast uh, amongst the listeners, just because it's kind of a it's kind of a newer um, niche in the industry, maybe I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people don't know much about it yet. That there's there's companies and and techs that specialize in it, but a, a general tech probably doesn't know a whole lot about it. So I'm glad we're doing this with you. Um, so. You work for a company called Dandelion Energy, correct? That is correct. Awesome. And you guys are located in, in New York yeah. State, in New York State, right? Correct. Yeah. So we have our main headquarters in Midtown Manhattan, in New York, um, where a lot of our, you know, uh, technology teams and marketing teams and, and software, et cetera, <clears throat> work out of there. Uh, but then we also have um, locations and, and lots of employees uh, throughout upstate New York, um, both uh, in the southern Hudson Valley and then all the way up through the capital district um, <clears throat> who do the installations, the sales process, and just a lot more of the operational uh, roles. Awesome. So so what is your, um, what, what, what is your role within the company? Yeah, so my official title is, is Director of Product Engineering, um, which at an early stage startup means I wear a couple different hats, and there's obviously a lot of, um, you know, group problem solving and, and things there. But generally speaking, I focus my time in, in two categories. One, um, actually on our software platform. So one of the key things that I put a lot of time and effort in is into our monitoring and controls platform, which uh, we can get into a little bit when we when we talk about the the unit itself. But we we embed monitoring and controls on every unit that uh, goes into the field, so that's nice. a big part of my role. Um, and then we also have a software platform that just helps us move projects all the way from you know an initial lead coming in from you know a prospective homeowner customer all the way through the sales, design, site survey, installation process, and, and ongoing as we implement the monitoring process. That, that's um, cool. So that's, that's the software element. Awesome. I, yeah. I was going gonna, gonna to ask you a question. So I was on your website today, and I actually, I actually snagged a picture um, of a geothermal. It looked like a geothermal heat pump, just so I could throw uh, a little post out there to ask um, if anybody had any questions for you during the podcast. And I noticed that the dandelion name was on the unit. So do you guys manufacture your own units as well? Yeah. So that's, that's the second half of, of my role that, you know, we have a few people who are really focusing very intently on the, the hardware itself because it is such a important and critical piece. 
So we contract manufacture um, our own proprietary, well, our own heat pump with proprietary elements to it. So, yeah, as you can imagine, a lot of the the heat pump components, the compressor, the fan, that sort of thing, there's nothing fancy or especially new about those. But the way we're packaging the unit and what we're including inside the cabinet is, is we think, pretty forward-thinking in terms of geothermal specifically. So... Things, uh, things, we tend to think of it as like something that you would do on every installation for geothermal. We should find a way to do that from the, in the manufacturing facility where it's easier and faster and can do it to a higher degree of quality um, than asking the guy who's installing it in the basement to do it. Mm-hmm. So we, we put the circulators inside the cabinet. We have flushing ports that are inside the cabinet. Um, and then the piece I touched on the the monitoring and controls. Yeah. Uh, so this unit is built with our own set of um, you know our sort of sensor package, if you will, that allows us to monitor a lot of different components and temperatures, pressures, flow rates on the unit itself. That we can then process and and uh, transmit those up to our backend servers. So that's a pretty substantial part of the work as well, which is, you know, in my in terms of my role, it's making sure that heat pump is designed and built to the specs and standards that we need it to, so that we can deliver the product that we're, you know, deliver, that we're selling to our customers, and really with an eye towards scale. Um, so you know, drawing out some of those installation labor costs and putting them into the manufacturing process. That, that that's um, really that's really cool. So you guys you guys. Um develop your own software and controls and embed them into your own mechanical systems and then go out and install your own machines. So am I, am I saying, uh, am I saying that right? Yeah, that That, is, that is all correct. Yeah. That that's, that's almost unheard of. I I mean, usually a contractor will go out and purchase uh, a machine like a York or a Lennox or a carrier or whatever, and then install it. But you guys are, you guys are doing everything from start to finish. That's that, that's that's really awesome stuff. So, I mean, we we have some points that uh, that I wanted to touch on. Uh, first, being geothermal um, for for the guys and, and girls out there in techs that don't know what geothermal is, give, give us an idea of how a geothermal unit operates and the type of application we'd use it in. Absolutely. So. I tend to think of it in, in three primary sections, if you will. Um, the ground loop, which is the, the geothermal aspect. So, you know, five to 10 feet under almost every home in America, there lies a source of heating that we can draw from in the wintertime um, and that we can also actually use as a heat sink in the summertime. And so, what we're doing is essentially um, drilling a, a geothermal well that we put, uh, you know, a closed loop piping system into that acts as basically a giant uh, heat exchanger. So if we, you know, uh, the analogous component in a typical air conditioning system would be your outdoor condenser. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to reject that, you know, hot air to the hot outdoor air, we're rejecting that into the earth, which, you know, year round is uh, roughly speaking about the average outdoor temperature for the year. So, 
you know, say, for example, here in upstate New York, the average temperature over all 12 months is call it 55 degrees or so. If you go five to 10 feet below the earth in, in upstate New York, the earth is going to be about 55 degrees on oh, average. Yeah. That's so cool. we yeah. can use, yeah, we can use that both as a heat source in the summertime if you're trying to pull heat out for the heat sink in the, in the summertime. So that's that's the ground loop part, um, and that's a closed fluid loop. Um, you know, typical to a lot of other hydronic applications, you've got circulators. Um, we put in uh, an air separator to make sure all of our air is purged, um, and that really acts as our our sort of you know primary fuel source, if you will, for the heat. And then, you know, that transfers into the refrigerant loop. So we use a typical mechanical um, compression cycle to, you know, with R410A to basically extract that heat out of the ground loop, um, or in this, or in the cooling case, uh, reject it, and basically, um, you know, a compressor-driven loop that creates the temperatures and pressures that we need to create a meaningful temperature for comfort. Um, and then in our case, uh, our current product today is is a forced air unitary system. So that refrigerant loop is moving it to the third element or the third loop in the cycle, which is the air loop. Um, so we use an aluminum microchannel coil uh, that we push the, the R410A through and you know move air over the coil, and that's how we we move air throughout the the house. Um, so that's our our primary. Uh, product today is a forced air unitary system. Um, we are, you know, have our sights on uh, split systems and, and possible hydronic systems, but um, you know, given the the housing stock and just what we thought we could scale most uh, quickly with, we're we're working with a forced air system today. Nice. So the um, the fluid loop, what what sort of fluid are you using in, inside that loop? Yeah, we. Uh, typically use a 20% glycol and water mixture. So the typical propylene glycol that you might see in, you know, some hydronic applications, um, that's charged at the time of installation and, you know, really lives in that loop for the life of the system and, uh, yeah, operates, you know, operates pretty, pretty standard across the life of the system. Nice. Cool. So uh, as far as, installation goes um what needs to be done before installation um because obviously you got to do some digging right so like what what's what sort of prelim stuff are we doing before the installation to make sure that we can actually dig where we want to dig we have to do some yeah. uh, so, some some uh some locates for for like gas lines and electrical and phone wires and all that kind of stuff absolutely and part of our process, you know, um, stepping back a little bit, even before we get to drilling, uh, we're really focused on, you know, b because we're in this niche industry, like you mentioned, we really have to make sure that what we're doing is safe to a high degree of quality and performs really well. And so all of our all of our systems, um, you know, once once the customer decides to move forward, we go through a fairly extensive site survey where a site surveyor walks the site. Um, and collects a bunch of information about the home, uh, both on the interior and on the existing mechanical system, and then also walks the exterior of the site for you know all those characteristics that you hit on. And and really the first thing is what we do is we do a um, heating and co uh, cooling load calculation, so manual J, 
mm-hmm. make sure we understand this, what heating and cooling demands we're going to see from that home. And then that feeds into a, um, a ground loop design software uh, that, that allows us to know exactly how deep the well should be. And then once we know those two pieces of information, we can say we can really dial in that scope of work and the specification. And then once we make sure that we can build that, then we get to that phase where we say, okay, let's let's um, let's send the the drillers and the excavators out to start that portion of the work. And so within that um, within that process, yeah, we're we're walking the site. Um, we're taking note of any overhead obstructions, underground obstructions call our dig safe to make sure we're not going to hit any utility lines. Um, the invisible dog fences will creep up on you. Uh, so you got to talk to the homeowner and see if they've got their sprinkler systems, their, their dog fences and all of that. Um, so it's a fairly extensive process, but uh, you know, once you do it a few times and create a standard process around it, um, we think we're, we're getting fairly good at it. So um, I guess that does it matter exactly where you're digging in reference to the home? Like, the side behind the front, as long as you find a clear path, is that the, 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 um, the objective is to find a clear path or does it matter at all where, where you're digging? No, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, most sites are pretty adaptable. Um, yeah, it's really looking for, you know, really the ease of access for the drilling rig to make sure we can get that in there in a safe position and in a clear path, like you said, so where we drill the, the vertical loop, making sure we can get a horizontal trench over to the home and, and penetrate into the basement. Okay, and that was actually one of the questions that somebody had um, since, since we, you, you said vertical, you reminded me of it. So um, vertical versus horizontal loops, I think, is the question. Which one is more efficient or works better? Do, do we have to go further out or further down for it to work better, <clears throat> the system? Yeah, so both both systems are definitely viable. Um, we focus entirely on vertical systems. We've okay. done, you know, we've tried both, and really, where we're thinking about this is we have our eyes set on the future, and you know, we think that. Uh, so we're also a, a part that I haven't really talked about yet is our drilling technology, where we're really trying to improve the equipment, the process, and the overall technology of how these sites are built. And we think we can do that best with vertical wells. So, you know, there's not a huge difference in terms of, you know, the performance that we would expect to see over the life of the system out of either one of those two. Um, The horizontal system, obviously, you need a lot more space. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're talking about, you know, 125 to 150 feet per ton, uh, you need a lot of horizontal space. And so that that immediately rules out a lot of more densely populated homes, um, even in suburbs, you know, you, you, you're not going to have that type of space. And, and, and just generally speaking, we want a way that's going to uh, really be able to address as many people as possible. And so we're standardizing around a vertical, a vertical process that we think if we can continue to improve on with some of our proprietary drilling technology and, and just overall process improvements that we can bring that cost down, um, of the cost of drilling down pretty significantly in a way that no one's really focused on before. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, as far as the installation process goes with with the watt with the um, the fluid side, the rest of it's kind of similar to like installing 
a typical air handler. We're going to duct it, right? We're going to have the uh, the A coil inside, and um, we're not going to have any outdoor condensing unit because that geothermal loop has taken the place of that, right? So, um, as far exactly, as yeah. as far as emergency heat, like I know some some geothermal units or heat pump units that. Uh, I've talked to other techs about in the past. They have like a uh, an electric coil inside for auxiliary or, or emergency heat. Do you guys implement that as well in your installation process? We do, yeah. And that's one of the things that we, you know, very early on realized that we're just going to build this into our cabinet every single time, so that you don't have an extra add-on element. So okay. we include we include yeah the electric resistance heaters in each unit. Um, and a lot of manufacturers provide that as an add-on today, but we just didn't want to have to deal with, you know, a guy on site, guy or gal on site having to do that as a separate, you know, installation process. So we mm-hmm. build it into each unit. That's 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 pretty cool. That, that's a smart move because <laughs> um, your your install team will thank you for that down the road, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, it's a common thing where, you know, with geothermal heat pumps where you know, even though the auxiliary heat is is most of the time not used, a lot of times there's actually a benefit to, you know, un, you know, only uh, sizing up to say 90% of the actual load and allowing that that 10% or whatever percent you design to to be taken on by that auxiliary heat, where it actually only ends up being a very very small percentage of the actual energy consumption. And doesn't impact your your yearly savings, but it actually just helps improve the overall efficiency of the system by allowing the heat pump to run at a closer to steady state for most of the operational hours. Cool, cool. So the other question I had about install was: Do we need to install? Like, this might might sound like a silly question, but um, there might be people that that want to know: Can we install install these in? an urban setting or does it have to be out like in the country where we have the space to dig and whatnot? Good question. Yeah, we get that one a lot. So it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have to be out in the country. So really you can think of it as you really just need some semblance of a yard or, you know, piece of property that you could back a, uh, you know, a large truck up to with, you know, about a 10 to 20 foot radius around it. Um, so this is really just for drill rig access. So if you only have a front yard and had that sort of clearance, then we could drill in your yard. Um, so in the, the most dense uh, scenario, so, you know, we're, we're not going into New York City um, and drilling geothermal wells there, but mm-hmm. most every place, um, that, that you think of as, as standalone single family residential homes um, with, with enough access to back a truck into your yard in some location would be viable for us. And I actually think the, the anecdote that I was talking about with a colleague today is that I think of all the, the, the homes that we've, um, or, you know, all the customers who have reached out to us, I think that we've uh, disqualified one site and it was actually because they literally lived on like the side of a cliff um, <laughs> and we just didn't have a way to, to, to really make the ground loop and the horizontal trenching work there. Yeah. But everyone else that's reached out to us, um, their site has been viable for, for them. Cool. So 
So right now you're just doing installations in the state of New York. Is that correct at the moment? That's correct. Yeah. We're just operating in New York state. Um, and a little bit, the, the reason why um, the, the, the system that we're offering makes the most sense for customers on fuel oil today. And in New York alone, um, there's about two and a half million homes that are using fuel oil as their primary heating source. Uh-huh. And so we just saw that as the largest opportunity to provide the most amount of savings to the most amount of people. And so we're starting in, in New York and that's, that's where we're at for the time being. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So let's move on to a little bit of service and maintenance um, on these machines. Now I know typically you got to change a filter, you got to check the, the condensate drain. Um, but as far as the geothermal side, is there any um, maintenance that needs to be done on the loop itself? Like, do we ever have to change the glycol? Do we ever have to add chemical? Do we have to lubricate the pump? Um, do we have to remove the pump once in a while and change like a mechanical seal or, or is there anything like that we need to do on the geothermal side for service and maintenance? No, I mean, um, generally speaking, the, the, the primary maintenance points are the, the air filter replacements. Yeah. Um, like you would have in your typical HVC system on the loop side, you know, you, you're going to have, um, you know, changes to the, to the system over the life of the system for sure. Um, but we don't really have a, a, a fixed maintenance schedule for needing to replace those things. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of it comes into play actually with the performance monitoring. So, um, you know, this is something where, you know, a lot of folks uh, listening may say, oh, well, you know, you're definitely going to have to, to, clean that loop out at some point or, or refresh it with glycol, whatever it may be. And, and really what we're looking to do is, you know, that time frame can really depend on a lot of factors, right? So depending on the water quality that you mix the glycol with, um, how well you got the air out of the system, a lot of these things can really impact what the long longevity of the quality of that loop looks like. But um, we're monitoring the performance of that loop, both temperature um, flow rate and, and just the general performance of the system overall, um, on a, on a second by second basis. And so what we're really looking to do is to better define what the maintenance looks like, um, using data as opposed to, to sort of honing in on, on what may or may not be the right time frame today. Okay. So with, with your, um, your, your control system that you're implementing into the machine, can you pull data? Uh, can the homeowner pull data, like a trend log or anything like that, off of there? Yeah. So um, today we actually don't have the homeowner login available. Okay. It's something that we're we're feverishly working on. Um, we actually prioritize putting the data in the hands of the installers first to to do two primary things. One is to make sure that when we install the system, that it's installed as we would expect it to be and performing to its peak efficiency. Yep. So we can, we can do all those calculations at the time of installation so that before you walk away from the job site, you know that that thing isn't working exactly to the specification as what you would expect when it came off the manufacturing line. Got, so that's got a huge value add, right? Yeah. And then the same, the same goes like once you walk away, it's in perfect shape, but over time, mechanical things, you know, 
our mechanical nature and, and things change, things break down. And so we put that data in the hands of the installers so that they can troubleshoot things remotely. So, you know, someone calls up and says, hey, uh, you know, I things pushing uh, lukewarm air, right? You can instantly pull it up and see, oh, do I have a high discharge pressure fault? Or uh, I lost, uh, you know, I lost flow in my ground loop, whatever it may be. And we can go out there informed on what the issue is with the part in hand if we need a replacement part and basically drastically reduce downtime for the homeowner. So they're left, you know, with less less time without heat. And and it saves us service costs because we've got one visit that's faster and, and we know we have the part in hand. Yeah, it, it makes for a better customer service if you can show up with the part that you need instead of um, doing a diagnosis and then having to order the part, going to get it or waiting for it. So yeah, that that, that is a... Uh, that that is a bonus for sure. One thing I didn't ask you, yeah. and sorry to backtrack, but the installation process, the 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 material you use to um, run that that fluid loop down into the ground. What what are you what are you using for that? Yeah, good question. It's it's an H uh, high density polyethylene, so HDPE. Um, so that HDPE is used on both the vertical section as well as the horizontal trench. So okay. everything that's buried. Um, and that, that, the loop is warranted, warranted for, um, or the, the, the loop itself will, a lot of people like to say outlast the house. So it's a closed loop system. Um, it's non-corrosive, so it's not going to break down over time. So that, that part of the system is, is very robust. And then, um, you know, depending, uh, on, on the exact application, we'll either, transfer over to PEX on the interior loop or continue with HCPE all the way over to the unit. Okay. And, and under, under the ground, is there any connection points or is it solid, like straight through? Yes. So with HDPE, um, so the, the, the portion that goes vertically gets installed as one single piece of pipe. So the okay. U-bend, you can think of it right as a supply going down and a return coming back up. Um, at the bottom, there's a U-bend. Uh, that's all one continuous pipe. So there are no um, there are no uh, 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 what's the word you use no no uh, threaded fittings or no compression fittings or anything like that. Gotcha. And then when we when we transfer to the horizontal section, um, HCPE has uh, a heat fusion process that you actually heat up both. Uh, both ends of the pipe that you want to connect together and then you literally fuse them together such that it's one piece of pipe and uh, it's actually okay. that fuse is actually stronger than the, the rest of the pipe uh, okay so, yep yeah pretty, so, pretty but, cool you know, there are points yeah there are points of connection but essentially by the end of the day it's all one piece of pipe and then before before we uh before we connect that up to the heat pump we pressure test it so we watch, you know, we put air or water on it and, and watch it uh, hold pressure. Yeah, uh, yeah, so smart idea because the last thing you want to do is commission the thing and find out it's leaking, right? So, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, smart idea. So uh, you were mentioning that, so 2.5 million homes uh, using oil for uh, for heating, and you're going in and doing a retrofit to geothermal. So, can you do you have any any data or figures on 
on the cost savings between someone that's using oil and then someone that puts in a geothermal uh, system? Like, do, do you have any idea of, of, of what they're saving there if, if they go through with that? Yeah, the the average, you know, the the cost that um, the cost of the homeowner today is roughly speaking just above a 30k out of pocket. Okay. So Thirty thousand to the homeowner. After incentives and rebates, it's closer to eighteen or nineteen thousand for the customer um, in terms of net you know, net cost to them. Um, and and that you know is basically getting rid of their fuel oil bill entirely, which for someone in upstate New York may be somewhere in the area of $3,000. Um, you replace that with a little bit extra electricity bill, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're you know, getting rid of the fuel oil, but we've got to use more electricity to run this heat pump. So you add, call it roughly $750 in annual electricity bill. And on an annual basis, you end up saving about you know, twenty two thousand two hundred fifty dollars. Oh, that's yeah, that's huge savings. So when you're saying three thousand a year in, in oil, that or that's three thousand a year in oil, right? Not per month. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we'd really be uh, being in the business if someone were paying three thousand a month. But uh, yeah, we we we'd all be broke if we were paying that for for fuel. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Cool, man. Like I, we've covered a lot of stuff here. Um, so. I think there was one other question. So yeah, somebody wanted to know most common install mistakes um, that could potentially cause like a callback if it wasn't done properly. Is there, is there any common mistakes that in general, I don't mean specifically for dandelion, but in general that an installer in a geothermal loop could make to cause a callback? Yeah. Good question. Um, You know, honestly, I, I, couldn't tell you what most installers run into the most. Um, this, uh, you know, you, you'll recognize a theme here, which is we avoid a lot of um, issues with the geothermal portion specifically through our our software and monitoring. So, um, you know, for example, by using design software to size the loop, uh, we're you know we're, we're not going to under drill, for example. So the you know the loop is always the the depth that it should be. Um, and then with our monitoring system, we can you know constantly observe the the flow rate and our delta T across the loop. So you know from day one we can tell that it's working well, and on an ongoing basis we can see that it's performing as expected. So we honestly eliminate a lot of um, potential pitfalls with the geothermal portion specifically, and a lot of the um, a lot of the, the, the quote unquote install mistakes are ones that you might expect on a typical HVAC system. So, um, you know, honestly, duct zoning is is always ripe for for potential issues. Whether it's you know you've got a damper operating backwards or wired incorrectly, um, something like that. Um, one thing I guess that is slightly unique, um, we do have two sensors that are located, you know, in the ductwork so that we can get our uh, supply air and return air temperatures. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while we'll see one of those or, or backward, but honestly, we catch that right away too with our monitoring system where 
you know, if, if your temperatures are inverted in, in the heating scenario, then, you know, pretty quickly you've got incorrect sensor placement. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds like you guys have all your, um, your ducks in a row and, and you're doing, and you're doing um, your due diligence to get these things um, set up properly and, and running efficiently. But would it be fair to say, yeah. like, if a company came in and didn't really know, they weren't really educated on what they were doing, if they don't drill deep enough for that vertical geothermal um, loop that they could cause an issue, like let's say they go half the distance they're supposed to, could that be something that's going to cause an issue with the machine running over time or, or in certain app, like uh, certain, certain, certain ambient temperatures? Absolutely. So uh, definitely if you don't properly design and, and install your ground loop, um, really what you'll be doing is starving the unit. So if we think of, you know, it's, it's March now, we're still in heating season. Um, you know, if your, if your loop is not large enough, essentially what you have is an undersized heat exchanger. And so in that scenario, what you'll see is um, you're not going to put enough heat into your refrigerant loop. Mm-hmm. So in that case, you know, you're going to see issues like low suction um, and, and, you know, basically generally not providing enough heat to, to get the capacity that you're trying to deliver to the home. Um, so there definitely, that, that would be a major, you know, a major pitfall if you're not sizing your ground loops correctly. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I mean, we've touched on quite a bit of stuff and um, I mean, I'm sure we could talk for another two hours on this, but <laughs> you know, I like to keep, I like to keep them short to keep the listeners engaged. So I, I got to thank you, um, Brian, for getting onto the podcast because um, I learned again, and this is what's great about doing these podcasts with different um, techs and engineers, and and um, and you're the director of product engineering, so you, you're considered an engineer, right? So um, that specialize in yeah. their field, and then that way I learn, and, and when I learn tons, um, I get to share it with everybody else. Um, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, to get them to listen to the podcast and they learn too. So it's kind of like a, uh, a give and take kind of thing here. So I, I got to thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it. So we should say bye to everybody. Absolutely. Say bye to everybody. Yeah, and you yeah. know what, Be- before we go, actually, sorry, you should probably um, throw some information out as, as far as like website or um, any social media accounts that Dandy Lions operating on like Facebook or Instagram. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on the show. Oh yeah. Um, Awesome. Definitely. You know, I, I, uh, I definitely feel the same. I could uh, talk about this stuff all day. So, you know, on future, future opportunities, would love to uh, dive deeper on it. I know we covered a lot. So if there's anywhere that uh, you want to dig deeper in the future, we definitely are excited to talk more about geo and sort of bring it out of its niche state and, you know, into a more well-known and, and scalable industry. So yeah, it's growing. you having us on. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah. It, it is a growing industry for sure. Um, yeah, in terms of, I think, honestly, the best way to reach out to us um, is dandelionenergy.com. Okay. Uh, you can learn more about, the, the you know, our heat pump that we're working with that's, that's unique to us, um, uh, potential homeowners or people who are interested in getting geo can can uh, reach out to our, our qualification tool that helps uh, understand if you're qualified for GEO um, and then our service territory. And uh, I think honestly, that's the 
best way, honestly, this is, uh, I'm, uh, should have been more prepared with all the options, but I guess that's why I'm not in marketing. Um, <laughs> so I know uh, dandelionenergy.com is the best place. Um, I believe you can find us on social media under the same, you know, types of handles, but, uh, I, I think going to the website is probably the best place. Okay, cool. So, um, for the techs that are listening and potentially interested in getting into this field, do you guys, um, are you guys hiring or do you go through periods of seasonal peaks where you hire and stuff like that? Absolutely. Uh, we are hiring. Um, you know, we specifically are looking for HVAC service technicians, um, geothermal installation technicians um, is obviously a huge perk. Um, and you know, generally across the board, we're we're looking for additional folks on the sales team. Um, so yeah, if if people are interested, um, and you have, uh, we didn't I guess really get into it, but there honestly are a lot of trades at play here. Um, you know, there's there's HVAC obviously, but there's also an element of plumbing. There's definitely a lot of electrical work um, yep. because we're adding, you know, we're adding uh, electrical draw to to the home. Um, and then, you know, we do, you know, the drilling and excavation piece as well. So if folks are interested, definitely um, uh, jump over to our website. Uh, you can see the, the different roles that we're hiring for there. Um, and if you don't see something there, but but you think you're, you know, uniquely positioned to help us solve some of these complicated problems, then we definitely would love to talk to you. Awesome. Okay, cool. So, um, so that's the podcast, man. That's the interview. Uh, like I said, thank you. Um, as always, I always tell everybody, hang out on the phone with me for just a couple of minutes afterwards, and we'll say bye to everybody. You guys have a great day or a great night, <laughs> whatever, whatever time you're listening to this podcast at. Thank you, Brian. Right. Appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was a pleasure, man. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast, but, I mean, come on. Nobody really knows it all. Very sarcastic name. You guys know that, right? Uh, very sarcastic name because nobody knows it all. And this podcast was a complete example of that. I don't know anything about geothermal stuff because I've never worked on it. Now now I have a window into how that industry kind of operates and, and, and how, it, how it all goes down um, from manufacturing to installation to commissioning to service. And if you guys do geothermal stuff... Maybe this was a, a really good refresher for you guys, but if you haven't done geothermal stuff, like I said, it was a window into that niche, right? Because it is a niche. It's a growing niche. It's a growing trend, geothermal, because of the advantages it has over, like uh, Brian was saying, over oil in the state of New York. It's a lot cheaper. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Again, I'm out. Until next time, happy HVACing.